the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Jewish people will have time to say, oh my goodness, God has stuck up for us once again. There will be a massive repentance in Israel. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now, here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Today, we will see how and where all the different nationalities came from. Yet this by no means suggests that there is a brotherhood of man. Well, we've all been made in the image of God, so therefore we're all going to get to heaven one day. It might through many different roads that lead up to God, but you know, it doesn't matter which way you take, we're ultimately going to get back to where we began. And somehow all those roads will eventually lead to heaven. Uh, no. Why? Because just like we can all be traced back to Adam, we can also all be traced back to the fall of man, to where Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden, causing all of us to be born with a sin nature, just like the first couple, Adam and Eve. Once they fell, their DNA became tainted. So everyone born after them has a sin nature. Listen, Whoever's had a child in their life, or maybe you're an auntie or an uncle or a cousin or a nephew, I mean, you've seen little children, those little bundles of joy, they come out, you know, my wife used to take my kids' feet and she kiss their feet and all of this and just play and you get the little grins and they're so bundle of joy, then they start walking. And that little bundle of joy turns into a terror. That's why they call it the terrible twos. Why? Because now you have to train them to be good. You don't have to train a baby to be bad. They're bad all on their own. Don't touch that. I told you not to to touch that. You know, my son has got, you know, three children, him and his wife, Elisa, and they're all under five. And he's like, Dad, I tell them a hundred times every day, oh, no, don't do that. I have to tell them again, okay, don't do that. No, don't do that. Oh, don't do that. It's like, yeah, son, you only have to do it another million times before they reach 18. You know, (laughs) it's like, hey, get used to it. That's what you have to do. Yes, and because we have that in nature, only those who come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, only those who have received his forgiveness of their sins, only those who have a relationship with God as his son or his daughter, only we will go to heaven. That's it. But getting back here to Genesis chapter 10, this is one of those chapters that, again, you just want to skip. Like, you know, what a waste of time. And if I would have skipped it and someone would have came to me afterwards and said, uh, wait, I thought we were in chapter 9 last week and then we went to chapter 11. I would have said, well, did you read it? And then they went over and they said, oh, okay, I can see why you skipped it. But we didn't skip it. 
Because it's that one that you think like, wait a second, who cares about all these genealogies of these children from Noah's kids? Listen, know this, God cares about what's in his book. For it's the history of humanity that we see here in chapter 10 of Genesis. In fact, it's the only history of humanity that is known to man. And through it, it might put you know some to sleep reading it, but it is filled with valuable information. It's filled with both geography and history. It's recording the very existence of many nations and people. Listen to what the Bible says in Acts 17, 26. It says, and God made from one every nation of mankind to live at all on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times, their boundaries, and their habitations. Yes, Genesis 10 is an incredibly accurate historical document. Understand, there is no other comparable catalog of ancient nations and where they came from known to man today. This is the only one on planet Earth. There is no other source than what we have recorded right here, the source of ancient nations. It's known as the Table of Nations. Dr. William F. Albright, who is acknowledged as the world's leading authority of archaeology of the Near East, who, by the way, is not a believer in Christ. He is not a Christian, doesn't do anything to say that the Bible is the greatest book ever. But he did say this about Genesis chapter 10. He said this quote, it stands absolutely alone in ancient literature without a remote parallel. Even though, even among the Greeks, we don't find this. It's the closest approach to a distribution of peoples in geological framework. The table of nations remains an astonishing, accurate document, end quote. Yes, the grandsons and the great-grandsons of Noah, their names are identified with the very cities nations and countries of many of our ancient cities, many of whom we still know to this day. Yes, there is no other ancient writing that has ever been discovered by archaeologists that can even come close to comparing in the scope of the accuracy of Genesis chapter 10. So what at first seems to be a a total boring read is actually a grand historical document. This is believed to be recorded by Shem. The, he's the one that lived longest, the oldest son, or one of the sons of Noah. And he lived to be over 500 years old after the flood. He lived 500 years after the flood. So we see the names of these grandsons and great-grandsons of Noah here. Like in verse 2, we have Gomer. Now, this is not related to Gomer Pyle here, which, of course, I am, you know, uh, aging myself again. You're like, who's Gomer Pyle? Well, see, that just goes to show you, you, I'm aging myself here, okay? He was on, you know, the Andy Griffin show, you know, there in Mayberry, okay? He was the guy at the garage and pumped your gas, okay? Fine, okay, there, I said it. But anyway, you look at Gomer here, and this was a civilization that was named after him. This is considered to be the people of North Turkey, even as far as Germany. So this is just in their history. This is also recorded in Ezekiel 38. 
Verse 3 is one of the sons of Gomer was Ashkenaz. Ashkenaz are German Jews. They were called Ashkenaz. The German Jews were. Another son in verse 3 was Tagarma. This was an ancient name for Armenians. So Armenians go all the way back to this ancient name Tagarma. Another son of Jephthah in verse 2 was Magog and Tubal. This is also translated as the place of Gog. This is just north of the Caspian and Black Sea, known as modern-day Russia. This is in their history. This is also recorded in Ezekiel chapter 38 as the nation in the last days that will actually come down as a cloud to devour Israel. In fact, Bible scholars all agree that this is modern-day Russia. This is the nation that's going to come against. Now, you think, well, in the last days, the Bible says that Russia, Gog, and Magog, chief prince of Tubal and Meshach, are going to come as a cloud to cover the land, and they're going to come and swarm on Israel to destroy it? Yes. That's exactly what the Bible says will happen in the last days in Ezekiel 38. But why will they come down? Why would Russia want to come and destroy Israel? Well, I actually believe this fits right in with Bible prophecy and everything else that God has said. Because I believe that somewhere right around the time when the rapture of the church happens and the true believers are pulled out, because it says in Ezekiel 38 that a hook will go into their jaw and they're pulled into this. It's almost like they're a a little reluctant. They don't really want to come in, but it says because of these other nations like Iran, that is listed in Ezekiel 38, that they will be pulled in. So maybe, just maybe, when the rapture of the church happens, the United States is devastated with all these believers that have been taken out of it, and who knows how many people in the government are taken out that are born-again Christians, and then the United States is weakened, and then Israel goes over and says, you know, Iran, you keep building these nuclear weapons you keep saying that you want to take us off the face of the map, we're going to take away your nuclear capabilities and we're going to destroy them just like they did in Iraq with Saddam Hussein. And they go in and say, well, we'll just take you out ourselves. Then Iran, being an ally of Russia, will go in and put the hook in the jaw and draw them in. And with the United States being in disarray because of the rapture of the church and so many believers being taken out of the United States, that all of a sudden Russia comes down to destroy Israel and then that's when God, for the first time in thousands of years, will stand up just like he did against Ashkag and all these other nations that would come against Israel who would attack them and God would just rise up and kill 185,000 people just in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. He will destroy Russia. That will leave the Jewish people a time to say, oh my goodness, God has stuck up for us once again. There will be a massive repentance in Israel. There will be 144,000 Jews that come out to become born again, that are trained by Moses and Elijah, and they will go around the world preaching the gospel. Is exactly what the Bible teaches in the book of Revelation. So that is going to happen with them. But getting back to our nations here, another name is in verse 2 is Meshach, which is preserved in the names of Moscovy, the former name of Russia. So there it is again. Javan in verse 2 is commonly known as the founders of Greece. Cush in verse 7 is considered Ethiopia. Mizoram in verse 6 it founded Egypt. And then we have Nineveh here in verse 11. You know Nineveh, that's where God sent Jonah, the rebellious prophet that was detained from his escape plan. Remember how that all went down. God said, I'm going to destroy Nineveh. 
but I want them to hear the truth first. Hey, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. So Jonah got in a boat and went the opposite direction because he hated the Ninevites. They were, you know, from the dreaded Assyrians. They were descendants of the Assyrians, and they used to kill God's people. So he says, I hate those people. You're going to judge them? Good. Couldn't happen to a nicer group. Go ahead and destroy them. I'm going the other way. <laughs> Odette's like, hey, go for the Assyrians, okay? And so, but those Ninevites, as you know, Odette, they repented. And they gave their life to Christ like you have, okay? And you're born again. You're going to heaven. Anyway, so that's what happened. It's just like Jonah went the other way. So God says, I'm going to cause a storm to happen in the boat. So all of a sudden, Jonah's in a boat, and all of a sudden, there's this huge storm. That boat was jumping around like a rubber duck in a blender, okay? So those people said, hey, Jonah, you're out of here. So they tossed him overboard. And that's when a giant fish swallowed Jonah. And Jonah just sitting that fish, just like, oh, I can't stand this, sliming around in his slimy stomach. And then all of a sudden, after three days, in the belly of the fish, it said it had seaweed wrapped around his head, and he was almost ready to die. I'm going down for the count. He repented. And right when he repented, that fish barfed him up onto the beach at Nineveh. And then so he went through Nineveh preaching the word of God and the whole place repented of their sin. One of the most wicked cities on the face of the planet. In fact, in fact, there has never been a repentance. There has never been a revival as big as this one that happened in a two-day span ever on the face of the planet because the Bible says 120,000 people from the king all the way down to the peasant all repented of their sin. Never been that much grace ever given, ever. And those were not Jews. They were the most wicked nation on the planet and God forgave them. But anyway, getting back to our boring genealogy here. Okay, verse 19 Talks about Sodom and Gomorrah are mentioned where Lot's wife was turned to salt. Remember, God destroyed that city too because of their wickedness. And he wiped them out. He got one family out of there because it was Abraham that was saying, Oh God, you can't destroy the city. What if there's a hundred righteous people? God says, Well, if there's a hundred righteous in there, I won't destroy it. And then Abraham's thinking, Yeah, they're pretty wicked in there. Well, what if there's only 50? He goes, Well, I won't destroy it if there's 50 people. I don't know if there's 50 people in there. What about 40? Uh, How about 30? Then finally he gets down. Okay, God, what if there's just 10 people? God's like, if there's 10 righteous people in there, I won't destroy it. But there wasn't 10 righteous. But there was Lot, who was the progressive Christian he had turned into being so milk toast. It's like, if I was God, I would have left him. (laughs) Go ahead, just destroy him. But you know, God's not me. He's a lot more gracious to me, and I'm thankful for that because I need his grace too. Okay, so he got Lot out of there and his wife and his two daughters. But he said, don't you dare look back when I destroy it. Don't look back. And what did his wife do? His wife turned around and looked back. And it's just like, oh my goodness. You know, it's like she turned to a pillar of salt because she rebelled against God. When it says she looked back, was it just that she just looked back like, oh, let me see. No, no, it was like, I'm longing to go back. I want to live there. I don't want to move from there. I want my life to be there. And God turned her into a pillar of salt. Well, we could all spend a few studies here just in chapter 10, looking at all of these names and what countries have their roots from these people at the beginning. But you get the point. What seemed like a very long and boring chapter at first read was really a very important piece of the history of ancient humanity, which brings up our second point. Now we're going to look at a man. 
looking at a man. Let's read again what he said there in chapter 10, verse 8. He says, Now Cush became the father of Nimrod, and he became a mighty one on the earth. And he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Verse 10, And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Erech. Okay, so let's take a moment and look at Noah's great-grandson, Nimrod. He became a mighty one on the earth. Now, my first thought was, who in the world names their kid Nimrod? Didn't have any baby books back then? What about Joe, Rick, you know, Samuel? I mean, how do you, do you hold your baby? Yeah, he looks like a Nimrod to me, you know. That's just my first thought. But anyway, he's also described to us as a mighty hunter. This young man was strong and he was powerful, but his name means rebel or rebellion. Boy, he fit right in today with the anarchy that's going on in our country. Boy, he fit right in, man. Go up to Portland, man. You know, put your helmet on, put your goggles on, get your clubs out, get your fire starters, and, you know, go wreak havoc in our city here. He'd fit right in. He was a wild donkey of a man, you could say. He lusted after power. And as his name reveals, he rebelled against the plan that God had for him. He was a mighty hunter, yet he became a hunter of men in order to rule over them. Hunter means to pray. And this rebel hunted and he preyed upon men by persecution and oppression. Gee, I wonder who that sounds like. Sounds like Satan. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 that Satan is likened to a a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Isn't that what lions do? They get into the full commando crawl. And man, they just sneak up on something and then they just, and then they strike. That's exactly how Satan is in our life. He sets us up so that we can fall. Revelation 12 describes Satan as the accuser of the brethren that accuses us before God day and night. Jesus called Satan a thief. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy us. But let me ask you, are you a rebel? Do you not like to listen to instruction? God desires us to be servants. Nimrod only wanted to be served. He wanted to rule over others. I wonder if there's anyone here like that. Hard to get along with rebellious to others, causing problems to those that are around you. Understand, God has called us to be peacemakers. Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount, as he started off with the, quote, Beatitudes. He said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. A true peacemaker is one who, who's grieved at those who are alienated from God. You know, it grieves me when I see my grandchildren maybe not having this hunger for God. It, it's a grieving to me. It, it's grieving to me when I look at my neighbors and I, I talk about Jesus and they're not interested and, and they're alienated from God. It grieves me in my heart. You know, when I talk to someone, it's like, yeah, well, whatever. I don't, I don't care. You know, who, who cares? You know, it's like maybe for others, you're always striving to be first. Maybe you you strive for special attention, always looking for position and power over others. But let's not forget what Jesus said in Mark 10, 31. He says, but many who are first will be last 
and the last will be first. Let's not forget, you know, when you want to be first here, the Bible says you'll be last in heaven. So think about your lifespan here on earth. It's this much in the scope of eternity. I mean, it's like even if you were to live a a full life and live to be 100 years old, it's just a fraction of what eternity is because eternity is tens of millions of years. You will live forever and ever and ever. You will have life with no end, a hundred gazillion years from now. So those who strive to be first here will be last there. But the ones who are servants here that don't care and they're last here, oh, you'll be first in heaven. Remember, we have a great example of that in Jesus. Jesus was not just some poor prophet. Jesus was the king of all glory. He's the one who said, let there be light, and there was light. He was the God of eternity come down in human form, and he came to serve, not to be served. He came to serve. Could you imagine washing another man's feet? Now, I've washed my wife's feet before, and I've actually taken great pleasure in that. She's a hardworking woman, and I've, I've done that before. And I've actually enjoyed every second of it. But the thought of me washing another man's stinky feet, it's like, yeah, okay. But God did that. He humbled himself. He washed other people's feet. He served. There's nothing wrong with having a place of leadership. If you have been promoted in your company and you have a place of leadership, if you have a place of authority, that is awesome. But allow God to bring that to you. Don't create it yourself. I love that verse in 1 Peter 5, 6. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and then he will lift you up in due time. Let the Lord allow that to happen. But getting back to our main character, Nimrod, he founded cities of Babel and Nineveh. These were cities full of wickedness and idol worship. Babel was later to be named Babylon, the mother of harlots. Remember how Saddam was saying before, you know, he got into the war with the United States and we completely decimated them. Do you remember? He was like, we're the great mother. We're Babylon. Remember how he was trying to create this whole thing and take over the whole Middle East? And if it wasn't for the United States rising up and saying, hey, yeah, you know what? You can't do that. We're just going to have to take you out. Okay. So it's like, if it wasn't for the United States, Saddam Hussein would have taken over all of that Middle East. But that, he says, we are the great motherland of Babylon. Well, that brings up our third and final point here, a tower of doom. Let's read about it here as we jump into chapter 11 now, picking up in verse 1. And it says, the whole earth used the same language and the same words. And it came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used the bricks for stone and they used tar for mortar. And they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. And let us make for ourselves a name. Least we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. See, they didn't want that. They all wanted to stay together. Verse five, and the Lord came down to see the city 
and the tower which the sons of men built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there. Okay, who's God talking to here? Remember, this is the same terminology that he used there in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, where he says, let us make man in our image. He's talking to the triunity of God, how he has revealed himself in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because man was not created in the image of angels. So he said, let us make man in our image. Now he's saying, let us to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, go down there, confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app, available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 